Amen. It is good to be here this evening. Good to see each one of you. Trust you've had a good afternoon today. And appreciate the Lord. Appreciate what he did in our hearts this morning. And I hope you got a blessing as well. And appreciate the Lord so, so much. Do remember Kendra tonight, if you would. She had to go into work this afternoon. And so you remember her. And uh, then Mama had the boys, and I think they were planning on coming up here. Uh, she watched them a little while for me to study and said she'd just bring them up. And uh, by the time I got here this evening, she called and said that uh, they had both fell asleep and they acted like they didn't feel too good, so she was going to keep them at home. And uh, so you remember each one of them. Then uh, I know there's several, several requests tonight. Ask you to help us remember. I uh, remember all those in the church sick and afflicted, all those shut in. Uh, seemed like there's much, much going on in these days. And I continue to remember each one of those. Remember the service tonight and uh, member of our nation member of our upcoming events and i will tell you this probably a lot of things are going to be a little bit different i know we're supposed to have old-fashioned day uh, more than likely what my plan's probably going to be for that um uh, some of you just let me know what you want to do. Um, I know probably most of us, our highlight of old-fashioned day was the meal. Uh, more than likely right now, we're probably not going to be having any meals. More than likely, we're going to try to pull back a little bit uh, to be safe. We can go ahead and do the old-fashioned day, and you come dressed in your overalls and your old dresses if you want to. Uh, you just let me know. We'll get something planned out for that a little bit later. Uh, you help me pray. I really, really, really would love to be able to have our Jubilee in December, 1st of January. I'm wanting to do that. Um, I'm going to keep I'm gonna keep praying about it, keep an eye on it. I'm looking forward to having Brother, Dr. Bradley Boone come be with us, um, but I, I don't want to know what the Jubilee is by nature. Uh, several preachers coming in, several different churches coming in. We'll just see how things are going, and hopefully things will slow down enough. Maybe we'll be able to have our Jubilee in December or end of December, 1st of January. You help me pray about that. But I'm going to, we're going to do our best to try to keep things as normal as possible, all right? Um, I'm going to tell you again, we are going to pull back from Sunday school for a little while. We just got to talking. Um, I understand you can't tell, explain to those youngins uh, that they can't play with their friends. I understand that. They don't understand why they can't do that. Uh, but the reason we pulled back from Sunday school is just simply because they're all confined in one little room. And uh, so try to just be safe. We're going to pull back a little while, just see how things go. And you bear with us. I know we're probably doing some things you think we shouldn't uh you just bear with us tolerate it best you can there's probably some things we're not doing what you think we should and uh, you let us know and just do your best to tolerate it best you can we're just trying to figure it out just like you are and i promise you we don't have all the answers any more than you do uh but we're just doing the best we can trying to follow the leadership of the lord we want to keep things as normal as possible but do want to put some precautions in place as well so you bear with us there all right remember all these coming up uh remember shirley I know her surgery's Thursday. Is that right? Thursday. I've got that wrote down. I uh, remember her and uh, then several others in the church. I know there's several requests this morning, several over the last several weeks. I uh, continue to remember each one of those. But maybe tonight, before we go to Lord and Word of Prayer, somebody have a special request on your heart. Amen. Let's remember this. Somebody else? I got called this evening. I got a carrier to move too fast to each other. They had to put him in intensive care yesterday. He was in his shock bubble pneumonia and something else wrong with his lungs. And they put him in a induced coma. He's like 30 years old. Mm. 
Remember this. Somebody else tonight before we pray. All hearts free. All right. If so, ask Brother Wayne if he would take the Lord in word of prayer. Amen. Somebody got a word on your heart, something you need to do, you mind the Lord this evening. Amen. You pay attention to the reading, and uh, I hope you see some things. I'll be honest with you, I read over it several times today, and uh, I told Brother Chris before everybody else got here, I said, I usually don't. Uh, most time, be honest with you, I end up staying up here all, all day on Sundays when we have service, uh, but Kendra had to go into work, so I ended up going back home and watched the boys for a little while and studied, and uh, I guess it's just the danger of being at home, I guess. I studied a little while, and I thought, I believe I'll go lay down. About two hours later, I got back up, but uh, I studied, I looked right over this several times, and uh, this book, by the way, this Bible's alive. Did you know that? And every time you read it, it seems like the Lord show you something else, so uh, I want you to pay attention while I'm reading, and uh, you, you none tell and what the Lord may show you, and uh, so you bear with us, we'll read it one more time. Find your places, stand with me this, this evening in honor and reverence to the reading of the word of the Lord. Isaiah 53, verse 1, the Bible said, Who hath believed thy report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. When we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. I, I be honest with you, I honestly, I promise you, I told you the truth. I had not seen that till last this morning, about 2 o'clock. 
And uh, I've been offered, somebody asked me just, I believe it was at uh, Allie's wedding, somebody said, go highlight your favorite verse. And uh, I believe if I go back, I might have changed. I like that, John, that surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Boy, isn't that good? Watch this. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Now catch this real quick. Notice what it said. Surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet... We did esteem him stricken. Even though he'd done all that for us, it was us that, stri- that was esteemed him stricken. It was us that crucified him. It was mankind. The ones he loved the most was the ones that despised him, the ones that rejected him. He carried our sorrows, and we was the one that put sorrows on him. Boy, that's amazing to me, the love that he had for us. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned everyone to his own way. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And <coughs> who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He, he hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul, and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall many righteous servant, uh, by, by, by the knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many for the transgressors. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I truly love you tonight. Help us now just for a little while. As we study your word together, Lord, I pray you put a guard upon my lips, having to say nothing contrary to your will or your word. Bless each one that made their way out tonight. Bless one, listen, each one listening by Facebook. Lord, I pray for every request, Lord, for every burden. Lord, I pray that you'd have your will and way in each and every heart, each and every life. Lord, I pray most of all they'd be one here tonight under the sound of my voice, lost, undone without you. Lord, I pray you convict their heart and save them for it's everlasting too late. We'll be careful tonight to give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. For we ask it in Jesus' wonderful name, amen, and amen. You'll be seated, and thank you for standing. Now, we looked at much this morning. We looked at his suffering. We looked at uh, his rejection. We looked at uh, several things this morning. In fact, I give you four things and uh, several things about those four things. And I want to try tonight, with the help of the Lord, to give you four more. But uh, I'm not going to give you several things about those four, all right? We're going to be a little bit shorter tonight. And uh, that's not because I feel sorry for you, to be honest with you, it's because I feel sorry for me. I'm tired. I don't know if I can, how long I can go tonight, but uh, I do want to try to give you just a few things, be a help to you this evening. Notice with me, if you would, by way of introduction, I want you to look uh, in verse number 8. Watch what your Bible said. Now, it's talking about the Lord, talking about Jesus. The Bible said he was taken from prison and from judgment. Who should declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. Now, 
Isaiah's prophesying, he's seeing ahead uh, to Calvary. And he said that, now notice how detailed, I mean, I, I've covered this very, uh, uh, very practically, very, as a practical application, but I want you to notice the detail uh, of the prophecy. Isaiah said, I see him in judgment, I see him in prison. Uh, everything Isaiah said come to pass at Thousands of years before Christ was crucified, Isaiah saw every bit of it in more detail uh, uh, than any account of the four Gospels. That's amazing to me. Uh, uh, prophecy, in my opinion, is one of the greatest proofs uh, of the inspiration of the Bible that there is that men of old could see things that would happen in the future and, and, and prophesy to a, I mean, to a T what was going to happen. Watch what he said. Uh, he was taken from prison and from judgment. Who should have his generation, for he was cut off out of the land of the living. Uh, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. Uh, now watch verse 10. Now we notice what the Bible said. Verse 8, he died. The Bible said he's cut off from the land of the living. Isn't that right? He died in verse number 8. Verse number 9, the Bible said that he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich. Isn't that right? That's what the Bible said. Watch what it said. Verse 9, watch what he said. He hath made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. There's no doubt about it. He died in verse 8. Verse 9 tells us he was buried. He made his grave with the wicked. He made his grave with the rich in his death. Uh, he is dead. Isaiah saw this. Saw Jesus and he saw him die. But then watch what verse 10 says. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul, shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Now, verse 8 tells us that he died. Verse 9 tells us he was buried. Verse 10 through 11 tells us why he died. But watch verse 12. Bible said, Therefore will I divide him a portion uh, with the great, and he shall divide the spoil uh, with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was number of the transgressors, he bare the sin of many, made intercession for the transgressors. Now he said, Preacher, you act like you're getting excited. What's so good about that? Notice what else Isaiah saw. Verse 8, he saw him die. Verse 9, he saw him be buried. Verse 10 and 11, he tells us why he died. Then verse 12, he said, I don't understand it. I saw him die. He's dead. He was buried. But yet, verse 12, he tells us uh, that he's going to divide the spoil with the strong. Uh, Isaiah said, I don't know how to explain it. I, I watched him die, but that's not the end of the story. I that right? Uh, he said, I watched him die. He's dead. Uh, he made his grave with the rich. Uh, he made his grave with the wicked. Uh, again, in verse 12, he shared the spoil uh, uh, with the strong. You know what that's talking about? Watch what your Bible said. Well, I ain't going to get into it because I'm getting ahead of myself. That's the last thing I won't give you. I just don't go to verse 12 yet. Look with me in verse 7. I'm going to get into it before I get carried away. Verse 7, the Bible said, He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened up his mouth. He is brought as a sheep as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. I want you to notice with me, fifthly tonight, uh, we covered four this morning, so I'm going to start at, at the fifth point. I've covered a lot of ground quick, haven't I? Uh, we're in the fifth point already. I want you to notice the restraint uh, of the Savior. Now you say, preacher, what do you mean by restraint? Now listen to him. He understood before the foundations of time. Uh, he really 
realize that he would have to sacrifice himself uh, for man. Everything we covered this morning, while uh, you and I, some of it may have seemed new, it might have been a reminder, there might have been some things, maybe we, maybe you didn't think about the mental anguish, uh, maybe we hadn't thought about the spiritual anguish of becoming sin, uh, maybe we'd never really thought and put it in perspective uh, uh, with help of the Holy Ghost like we did this morning, uh, how that he loved us, yet we were the ones that rejected him. Uh, maybe all that seemed new to us, but it wasn't to him. Uh, he'd known that from the foundation of time. Uh, there was no question. There was no shock when he went to Calvary. Uh, he understood every bit of it. Uh, and you know what amazes me through it all? Watch what your Bible said. Notice the difficulty of his restraint. Watch what the Bible said in verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, uh, yet he opened not his mouth. He has brought his lamb to the slaughter and the sheep before shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. The Bible said he was oppressed. Uh, uh, he was pressed upon. It was a, uh, he was put down. He was afflicted, the Bible said. I'll be honest with you, there's not a bit of that sounds good to me. Uh, being oppressed does not sound encouraging. Uh, that doesn't sound fun. Uh, being afflicted does not sound encouraging. Uh, uh, that does not sound fun. I'm not looking forward to that. Uh, nobody looks forward to affliction. Uh, nobody looks forward to oppression. Uh, nobody looks forward to those things. Uh, but that's the description uh, that the Bible tells us of what Jesus faced at Calvary. It said that he was oppressed and afflicted. Uh, it went on to give us two similes uh, uh, about how uh, what his experience must have been. Uh, the Bible said he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Even though he, the God of all glory, the Word of God, the Bible said him again was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, that same chapter tells us that nothing was made without the Word. All things were made by the Word. Uh, uh, in fact, I believe it's the book of Colossians. I might be wrong, uh, uh, but it tells us that uh, by, uh, by Him were all things made, not only by Him, but for Him. Uh, I mean, He's the God of all glory, and He's being oppressed. Uh, he's being afflicted. Uh, he's facing things He did not deserve. Uh, uh, the Bible said there's no God in Him. Uh, uh, they've done no wrong. Uh, he was not a sinner. He was not a criminal. Uh, he's dying a criminal's death. Uh, he's been afflicted. He's been oppressed. Uh, Johnny's facing physical anguish, mental anguish, uh, spiritual anguish. Uh, and through it all, the Bible said uh, that he opened not his mouth. Is that right? My soul. I, I'll be honest with you. I thought about that coming up here today. I, I'm not being mean. I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm lumping us all together. I thought, my, I saw everything that he faced for you and I. And somebody just say a little something to us about being a Christian. Uh, somebody treat us just a little bit bad. And we go crying to mama and stand up in church and wail and cry about how hard it is to live for God. God help us, friend. We don't know anything about suffering. Uh, we don't know anything about enduring. Uh, we don't understand anything. Amen. Uh, uh, that's exactly right. Had never one time that he say Lord this isn't fair I, never, that's exactly right never one time did he say don't you know who I am I, never one time did he say I'm not worthy I'm, I'm too good for this I, the Bible said he openeth not his mouth I, every difficulty that come I, he was torn from the presence of God I, we saw this morning that God himself smit him I, that he faced the judgment and wrath of God and there was never one time that he cried out and said Lord I don't deserve this why 
Why is this happening? That right? In fact, there's seven things that he said on the cross. He said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Isn't that right? He said, He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what to do. He said, I thirst. Isn't that right? He said, It is finished. There's seven sayings on Calvary. But I'm telling you this morning, he never one time whined. He never one time complained. There was never one time he said, This sitting fair. He endured the difficulty of Calvary. Isn't that right? He endured the difficulty. Watch this. Watch what your Bible said. Tells us he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he openeth not his mouth. Brought as a lamb to the slaughter. Now, I'd like for a lot of things to be said about me, but I wouldn't much want that to be one of them. That right? Uh, the, I, now, I, I'm not real smart. English was not my greatest subject, but I do remember what a simile was. And uh, the difference between a simile and a metaphor, they told us, was uh, two words. A simile uses the, uh, the, there's a comparison between a simile and a metaphor. Both are comparison statements, but a simile uses two words. It uses the word like or as. So if I said that John is tall like a tree, that's a simile. I'm comparing John to a tree. If I say John, if I just said John, is, uh, I don't know, I, I don't know much about a metaphor. I like similes but I did metaphors. But anyway, that like or as means it's a simile. And so there's similes here in the Bible that God's revealing to us, giving us a picture, giving us something that uh, while we can't understand exactly what happened at Calvary, we can't understand exactly what he was doing. He gives us a picture uh, to reveal to us what it was that he faced. And the Lord tells us here in Isaiah 53, he said, if you want to know what he faced, think of it like Yes, he was brought like a lamb to the slaughter. Right, innocent, pure, done no wrong, but came for one reason. Remember when we looked at over in Nehemiah chapter 3, we looked at all the gates back when we was in the... Excuse me, we was in, uh, well, I was having online service only, and uh, I preached through all those gates. I hope you remember that. Uh, uh, but we looked at the sheep gate. That was the first gate we looked at. And those shepherds would go out and they'd bring those lambs, uh, in through the sheep gate. Uh, and they'd be close, it was close to the temple. Uh, and it was done for one reason. They were being led, uh, uh, through that sheep gate for the purpose, uh, of giving their life for the sacrifice, uh, of the people. That's what the whole purpose was. Uh, they entered into the city with the purpose uh, of giving their life uh, for the children of Israel. Uh, hey, can I say this this morning? He entered into the world uh, as a lamb led to slaughter. Uh, he came for one purpose. Uh, he didn't come this morning at that time uh, to set up his kingdom that be after. Uh, he didn't come to this earth to make peace on earth. That to come after. Uh, he didn't come to this earth to make everybody happy. Uh, that'll all be after. Uh, he came to die for sinners. Uh, he came as a lamb led to the slaughter. It's a simile that gives us a picture of what he'd face. You imagine this morning, this evening, I've said several times, you've heard me say that every last one of us in here is dying. From the youngest to the oldest, I reckon tonight, Savannah is probably the youngest one in here. But can I tell you something? She is dying at this moment. This very moment. Her Everything about us dies. Do you realize that our skin 
dies daily. Uh, uh, that's what dust comes from. They tell me is dead skin. Uh, every one of us, these parts of us dying and falling off every single day. Uh, the moment we took our first breath, uh, we started heading to our last. Uh, uh, the moment our heart beat for the first time, uh, we started headed to the day that it stopped. Uh, every last one of us while we are living, uh, we're all so dying. Uh, uh, we was talking this evening. I said, I'm not cut out for this anymore. I can't stay up till three, four o'clock in the morning studying and preach two times. I just can't do it. And John said, we're not as young as we used to be. You know why? Our body is decaying. I know that's not what you want to hear, but it's the truth tonight. Your body's already decaying. That's why the older you get, the worse you feel. You don't look, it doesn't work like it used to. Because it is already decaying. It does not begin to decay after death. It begins to decay at birth. That's exactly right. The youngest baby in the world, their skin dies off every day. Their cells are dying off. Our body is in constant decay. But you realize the reason that he came. We have all this life to live. There's all kinds of things that I enjoy. I was showing some of them a while ago. We went yesterday and let the boys pick out a puppy that we're going to get them for Christmas. And I told John, I'm looking forward to Christmas morning or whenever it works out. I'm looking forward to seeing them see that puppy. I, I'm looking forward to that Rod. I want to see their face and I'm looking forward to seeing them grow up and have fun and play with that dog and so I, I've enjoyed watching them. I, I was thinking the other day of the things that Aaron can do now that just last year he couldn't do and hey it's a joy to watch them grow up. It's a joy to uh, watch them change. It's a joy to uh, meet together with friends. Uh, there's a lot of life to live but do you realize he came for one purpose. Uh, all his life he knew uh, he was going that was it that's the reason he came he didn't come to make money he didn't come to have friends he didn't come to be popular he didn't come to work a job he came to do the will of the father and shed his life as a lamb led to slaughter you tell me that wouldn't be difficult he's 100% God but he's 100% man you just imagine for a moment from the time you was born knowing they'd come a day You'd have to give your life up for somebody else. Uh, well, I wasn't planning on spending this much time here. Some of us men, I'll be honest with you, I thought about coming up a road. I, I've made the statement preaching, I, I, I'd still stand by it. I would, Jessica, if somebody come in my house, I'd give my life for my boys and my wife. I would. I, I'd do that. But I'll be honest with you, I'm glad I don't know nobody's coming in. That right. I'd hate to have to go through my whole life knowing that November the 23rd, 2025, somebody's going to come in my house and I'd have to get, it not worry me sick. It'd drive me crazy to know that I, I was going to have to give up my life. I've got a desire to live. I don't want to think about how everybody, or you, whether you're ready to die or not, how the Lord puts a desire in you to live. How there's a desire to breathe. There's a desire for your heart to beat. There's a desire to be healthy. Hey, can you imagine every day of your life knowing that you came for one purpose uh, uh, to die for the very ones uh, uh, that despised you, rejected you uh, ain't that right, oppressed you uh, that was the very purpose that he came that was the purpose for them lambs they, they had those lambs for the very purpose. The moment they was born, they set them apart to be a sacrificial lamb. I, they set them apart, kept them pure, kept them without blemish, kept them without spot for one purpose so they could die for the people. Notice his difficulty. That's not all that he said. Went on to say, as a sheep before shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. What about that? 
You imagine. I got to think about that. I really didn't know how to go with it. There's a couple ways you could go. But the Bible says a sheep before shears is dumb. Now, I got to think about that. And he, you can believe whatever you want to. I'm just speculating. I don't claim to be an expert. But he was 100% God. He was 100% man. And I'll be honest with you, I've told you before. I heard, I heard a preacher today make this statement. He said that he could preach just, and I know what he's saying. I'm not being critical of him at all. But in fact, he's a good, good friend of mine. But he made the statement at his church on the live stream day. He said, I'm preached just as good if you sit there and don't say a word as I can if you say amen. Don't much matter to me whether you do or not. And I thought about that for a minute. And I thought, well, I, I know what he's saying, but it's a little hard for me to believe. It is. You say, preacher, how come? You know why? Because everybody wants a pat on the back every once in a while. That right. Now, I, I've told you before, don't, don't think I'm going back on what I'm saying. I've told you before, I know myself, surely, and it's easy. I get a little antsy when it, when them services where everybody comes out and it's patching on the back, preacher, oh, that's so good, you're so smart, that was so great. I get a little nervous about that because I realize myself, don't take much of my head get big. I'm just being honest with you. It's just my personality. But it's my desire. It is my desire fleshly. I realize spiritually it doesn't much matter whether you like me or not. I get that. But fleshly, in my flesh, well, I want you. I mean, it tickles me to death for you to come out and say, boy, that's a good message, preacher. Well, you say, oh, preacher, ought not be that way. Well, how come you ladies like it so good when your husband comes by and says, boy, that's a good supper tonight. Is that right? He eat it either. Does it really matter whether he, thought, whether he says it or not? Evidently, it doesn't. Isn't that right? I'm just talking about it. I'm not trying to tell you you've done something wrong. I'm not trying to, uh, there's no subliminal message here. I'm just telling you in our flesh, uh, we like to be lifted up. We like to be made feel good. We like for everybody to know what we're doing. But you realize the majority of his, mess, of his ministry, he never even told them who he was. He never actually, he did all those great works. He did all those things. But there was never a time that he walked around and said, y'all don't understand who I am. I'm God. Do you realize it was not till the, the, the uh, it was not until what we refer to as Palm Sunday? Do you realize that on that day when he entered into Jerusalem, riding on the colt of an ass, that was the first time that he showed he openly showed them he was the Messiah. That's the first time that he openly showed them, "I am the Son of God. I am the Deliverer. I am the Anointed One. I am the One you come to look for." And can I tell you something? Watch this. All those that you've heard messages on it, all those that sit there and fanned the palm leaves and laid the garments down and cried, "Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna!" Let me tell you who they was. They's the same ones in just a few days. Cried out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. That's exactly right. That's, ex that's exactly who they was. Uh, they're the same ones that laid down their coats and said, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Was the very same ones that said, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. All his life, he never bragged. Uh, he never said, no, this is how we're going to do it. He, isn't that right? Now you stay with me this evening. Uh, he never one time said, oh, no, you don't understand who I am. You know why? Because he's like a sheep before the shears. That sheep never one time looks up and says, I believe you're taking too much lamb. Sheep never one time looks up and says, don't you know who I am? That sheep never looks up and says, don't you know I'm the best one you've got? No, it's done before sure. Right? 
Is that right? It's come to do a job. It doesn't need recognition. It doesn't need an accolade. It doesn't need a pat on the back. It's just in the hands of the shepherd. And that's exactly what Christ became. He said there in the temples of boy, did you not know I must be about my father's business? He didn't need accolades. He didn't need awards. He didn't need popularity. He'd just come to do a job. And he was dumb before shears. That's exactly right. It's a picture of the difficulty that he faced. Not only that, notice his dumbness. Three times the Bible tells us, tells us, what's verse 7? He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Not his mouth. His brother's lamb was slaughtered, sheep before shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Tells us three times, he openeth not his mouth, as a, lamb, as a sheep brought before shears is dumb, meaning it doesn't speak. Then last, the last part of that verse said, so he openeth not his mouth. Three times the Bible reveals stuff, so he never one time opened his mouth. He said, preacher, how come? Watch this. He said, preacher, how, why do you endure the difficulty? I tell you, remember what he said in the garden? He said, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, let thy will be done. It wasn't about what he wanted, about what the Lord wanted. It was about what God wanted. He was there to do the Father's business. So we see the difficulty that he faced. Then he said, preacher, why is that difficult? He's living a sinless life. Is that right? Living a sinless life. Exactly what everybody's trying to find. There ain't nobody wakes up and says, I want to be the worst person in the world. We all want to know how to do good things. We all want to be good people. We're trying to figure out how, we're trying to figure out this whole thing. Uh, they ask all the time. Uh, I remember when I was in college, I believe it was in Siri, on your phone first come out. Uh, I remember them professors would get a kick. They'd be, every class we go to, they'd hit that middle button on your phone and get Siri to pop up. And they'd say, Siri, what is the meaning of life? And it'd be different things she'd say. But one time she made this statement in the English class I was in. Uh, she said to be the best person that you can be. That's what the world sees. You want to be the best person you can be. You want to be the, and he's living a sinless life, a perfect life. And all he's getting for it is rejected, oppression. Is that right? He's the son of God. Nobody's patting him on the back. You think if Donald Trump, Joe Biden, whoever you want to think about, either one to both apply, if they, if they walked in the door this evening, Donald Trump, you like him or not. Joe Biden, you like him or not. If he walked in the door this evening, every one of you women to make sure your hair was right because you think he might be a camera come by. Every one of you be worried about. We don't. We wouldn't be. We there, there, there are these great men. There's these people that we look up to. We it would change the way we look. But you know what he got? There wasn't no fanfare. There wasn't no limousine. There wasn't no crowd cheering him on. He was despised. He was rejected. He was oppressed. And he was the son of God. Can you imagine that? Uh, some of you shaking your head about Joe Biden and, and Donald Trump. Let's say this. Uh, what about Derek Jeter? What about LeBron James? Whoever you want to think about. It. Some of these people on TV, some movie star come in. Well, we'd clap our hands and we'd be tickled to death to see him and you'd want to autograph. Nobody didn't want that from the Lord. Uh, they despised him. They rejected him. Uh, they sought to lay hands on him all throughout the New Testament. Uh, they sought to stone him. Uh, Calvary wasn't the first time they tried to kill him. Uh, and he is the son of God. How difficult would that be? To know you're going to die for him. And see how much they despise you. See how much they reject you. Yet he opened not his mouth. Not only the difficulty and his dumbness. Notice with me not only the restraint of the Savior. Notice with me the rest in place of the Savior. Watch verse 9. The Bible said he made his grave with the wicked. With the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. He said, Preacher, what do you mean about the, the rest in place of his Savior? I find this interesting. Isaiah said, Now I told you they didn't see, them prophets didn't see everything. Uh, they, everybody may not have understood this, but you and I, I told you the other night, 
Wednesday night, you and I can see more in prophecy than even the prophets that prophesied it sometimes. Let me show you something. Watch what the Bible says. Now watch what he said. Verse number 9. Watch this. Verse 9. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Well, I don't make much sense, does it? How could you make your grave with the rick, wicked and with, with the rich? Doesn't make much sense. How could that be the case? Now, you and I have special insight to that. We, we look back at Calvary. Isaiah's looking forward. We're looking back. So you say, Preacher, how, how does that apply? What about this? The Bible said in the New Testament, I've said it several times today and this, this morning and tonight, the New Testament says something like this, and there he was crucified, two malefactors, one on the right hand, one on the left. That right? He made his grave with the wicked. He died between two thieves. That right? He died. They all died that day. Some of you look at me like you don't believe me. They all died that day. The Bible said that they came to break the legs of them because the Passover was soon coming. They seeing Jesus was already dead. That Roman soldier pierced him in the side with a spear, break the legs of the two thieves. So they died that day. They died the same day. He made his grave with the wicked, died suspended between two thieves on the cross. Isn't that right? Made his grave. Ain't that amazing? Isaiah, all those years before, said he's going to make his grave with the wicked. He's going to die with the wicked. He. That's amazing. Y'all ain't may not be getting that, but that's amazing to me. That God say, I'm going to let my son, I'm going to let the one that take away the sin of the world, he's not going to die up on the mountaintop with the sun shining down on him and everything being good. Oh no, he's going to die with the sun darkened out, a darkness upon the face of the earth, suspended between two thieves, uh, being despised, being rejected. Uh, he'll make his grave with the wicked. Isn't that right? And said, so then he went on to say, and with the rich. Well, I don't see how them two thieves was rich, do you? But how, watch what it said. Your Bible's amazing to me. It's amazing how God does this. Now, he said that he'd make his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. So, preacher, what are you saying? He died. He made his grave with the wicked. He died suspended. He died hanging there with two thieves. Died a common Criminal, criminal's death. But then the Bible said, and with the rich in his death. So that tells me, Sharon, that after he died, he made his grave with the rich. Now you say, preacher, how did that happen? Watch this. Stay with me just a minute. Let me read you a verse of scripture. Matthew chapter 27. You don't have to turn tonight. I just want to read you a verse of scripture real quick. A couple of verses. Matthew 27. Watch what your Bible said. Listen to me carefully tonight. Matthew 27, verse number 51. Bible said, uh, let's see, Matthew chapter 27, verse number, not 51. Where am I at here? Verse 57. Bible said, and when the even was come, he's died now. When the even was come, there came a, listen to this, rich man. Now what about that? What did Isaiah say? He said he made his grave with the wicked. And with the rich in his death. He's died. All of a sudden here, when the evening was come, here comes a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulchre and departed. There was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulchre. Well, what about that? 
All these years before it dies, Isaiah says he's going to make his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Can you imagine how they must have thought that made sense? How can you, I mean, how, how would that possibly make sense? But I, what are you always saying? You and I realize he's saying he's going to die the common criminal's death, suspended between two thieves. But he's going to make his grave with the rich because Joseph of Arimathea, who the Bible said was a rich man, that's how the Bible, not me, that's how the Bible referred to him, a rich man. Almost like the Lord might have knew that. Do you know? I mean, it's almost like all the way back here in Isaiah, God might have known that he'd be a rich man. Almost like he might have inspired Isaiah to use the word rich and might have inspired Matthew to use the word rich just so we can make his connection. Are y'all getting that? That, that? that may not be doing a thing for you, but that just excites me to see something like that. Uh, it just excites me how that Bible's put together. He made his grave with the wicked. He died a uh, common criminal's death, uh, but he didn't get a common criminal's grave. A rich man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea came and begged the body of Christ. And in his death, he made his grave with the rich. He was laid in Joseph's tomb. He was laid in the new tomb that Joseph had dug out of the rock, the Bible said. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. You say, preacher, what do you say? Let me say this. He made his grave with the wicked, but he also made his grave with the wealthy. You say, preacher, what's so good about that? I don't know if you understand this or not, but that's not what them other two thieves, that's not what happened to their body. They wasn't laid in a rich man's tomb. They's just thieves. Their body, you know what would have really happened to their body? Remember, go back to Nehemiah 3. We looked at those gates of the city. Remember the uh, Dung Gate? Remember me talking about that? And I told you that that valley outside the Dung Gate was by, what was called Gehenna. It literally means hell. That's how it's translated in our Bible to English. Uh, uh, it was a, it was a trash dump. It was a waste pile. And it burned continuously. Uh, they'd carry their waste and their trash out there in that valley and fill it up with that trash and it continuously burned. Uh, uh, what it, it, Gehenna is translated hell in your Bible. I'm just it, because it's a picture of hell. It's where the trash goes. It's where the waste goes. Uh, it's where the filthy things go. It's a picture of it burning. Uh, that's what would have happened to them common thieves. Uh, uh, their body would not have been laid in the tomb because they couldn't afford it. Uh, uh, their body would not have been laid in the tomb because they wasn't worthy of it. Uh, uh, they'd have been took outside of the dung gate, uh, uh, cast into the valley of Gehenna, uh, and their body would have been de- destroyed. Uh, uh, their body would begin to deteriorate. Uh, and eventually their body would have been consumed by fire. But that's not what happened to Christ. He died a criminal's death. But he was placed in the grave of the rich man. Joseph of Arimathea, the only man died a criminal's death. That would have got that kind of treatment was the Lord. It takes us back to Isaiah 53. And we look back at Isaiah and see what happened to Christ. And we say with all assurity, there's no doubt in our mind, it's a prophecy concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. He made his grave with the wicked uh, and with the rich. Uh, isn't it amazing how that Bible is put together? That amazes me. Watch this. Not only the, the restraint of the Savior, the rest in place of the Savior, notice the redemption of the Savior. Watch verse 11. He shall say the travail of his soul shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. They said, preacher, what do you mean the redemption of the Savior? There's two things revealed to us in this verse. First thing we see is, what's what he said? By my righteous, uh, by the, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. Refers to, reveals to us that Christ had to be righteous. He had to be sinless. He had to be. Now the Bible told us in verse number nine that he had done no violence, neither was in deceit in his mouth. It told us he was sinless, but verse 11 tells us he had to be sinless. 
In order to justify many, he had to be the righteous servant of the Lord. I'll be honest with you. Next time we have Sunday night service, I may preach on uh, preach on that just a little bit and cover a, a question that's much debated about whether or not Christ could have sinned. You think about that over the next couple of weeks, see if you can figure it out. Could he have sinned? Remember, he was tempted to the devil 40 days in the wilderness. Could he have sinned? Did he have? Could he possibly have made the decision, given over to temptation, and sin? Now, we'll cover that later, but you think on that, ponder on it, study on it. But here's what I want to say. In order to be the perfect sacrifice, the perfect Lamb of God, he had to be sinless. He had to be the righteous servant of God in order to justify many. Isn't that right? Well, I'm losing you, ain't I? What time is it? How does that happen? Watch this. We see his purity. Not only that, verse 11, we see his power. Watch what your Bible said. He shall see the travail of his soul, shall be satisfied. By, the, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. I'll be honest with you. I was thinking today, and I thought to myself, Lord, what in the world are you having me preach this like I am for? I've preached through Isaiah 53, I don't know how many times in my life, but I've never preached it quite like I have today. And I thought, Lord, it seems like all I'm doing is telling them bad stuff. All I'm doing is telling them how he was despised. All I'm doing is telling them how he was rejected. I, I, I'm not even telling about how there's many who got saved. Then I got to verse 11. I know something I've never seen. The Bible said, for by, the, by his knowledge of my righteous servant, many shall be justified. That... Oh, he was despised. He was rejected. He was oppressed. Uh, they crucified him. They didn't want nothing to do with him. Uh, but the Bible said, but my righteous servant justify many. I've got good news tonight. Yes, there's been many that's rejected him. Uh, there's been many that's oppressed him. Uh, there's been many that despised him. Uh, there's been many that want nothing to do with him. Uh, but can you say, preacher, why did he keep going? Uh, because there's been many that's been justified. Uh, there's been many that's been saved. Uh, there's been many that's accepted him. Uh, there's been many that give their life to him. Uh, there's been many love him back. Uh, up down through the ages, there's been many despise him. Uh, that's right, there has been. Uh, there's been despise him today. You look at America, look at our government, look at our school system, look at Hollywood, look at any aspect you want to look at. I'll go so far say look at some of our so-called churches and they despise him. They reject him. They want nothing to do with him. But I've got good news. There's always been a remnant. There's always been a few. There's always been some that loved him back. There's been some accept the free gift of salvation. There's been some give their life to serve him and worship him. There's been many justified tonight. We see his we see his purity. He had to be sinless, but then we see his power. Even though he was despised and rejected, there's many tonight that have been justified. He said the Bible said, justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. It's amazing to me the power that it would have took just simply in the, in the clinical sense of, of bearing my iniquities and dying for me. That's amazing. What's amazing to me, knowing how many would reject him, knowing how many would spit in his face, knowing how many wouldn't want anything to do with it, knowing how many of them deny him and despise him and reject him and oppress him and submit his, uh, uh, all these things we've looked at, knowing all that, what power it must have took just to endure all the shame that's a biblical term that he despised the shame of the cross. That's what, he, that's what the Bible said. He endured the shame so that many could be justified. What power, what love to put aside all the rejection, all, the, all those that despise him. 
to be able to justify me. So we see the, we see the redemption of the Savior. I want to show you verse 12, and I'm done. Notice the responsibility of the Savior. The Bible said, therefore would I divide him a portion with the great. Now I told you a minute ago, he's died. Verse, verse number 9, he died. Verse 10, he's, uh, verse number, verse number 8, he died. Verse number 9, he's buried. Verse number 10 and 11, the, the, uh, Isaiah begins to tell us why he died. Then in verse 12, all of a sudden things ain't over. Watch what your Bible said. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the strong. Now, I don't have time to get into all that as deep as I want to. Because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many. And made intercession for the transgressors. And he said, Preacher, what are you saying? Let me say this quickly. Watch what your Bible said. I want you to notice the responsibility of the Savior. Isaiah almost gives us a recap in verse 12 of the whole chapter. He said, Therefore will I divide him a portion of the great, and he shall divide the spoil of the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. Isaiah said, Just don't forget, while I'm about to close this chapter, just don't forget he did die. Poured out his soul. He poured out his soul. Is that what your Bible said? He hath poured out his soul. Under, now don't lose me. Don't stay with me tonight. He hath poured out his soul unto death. It's almost like the Lord wrote the Bible. That sounds kind of like, and he gave up the ghost. He yielded up. It's kind of sound a little bit. He poured out his soul unto death. I said, remember, he died, and he's the one that laid it down. Is that right? Now stay with me. Watch what he said after that. Poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. Isaiah said, when you remember his death, something else I want you to remember. When he died, he was numbered just like a transgressor. Anybody that walked by, if you'd been there, if you'd been at Calvary that day, you'd walk, you'd walk by the you'd walked around the edge of Jerusalem, looked up at Calvary, you've seen them three crosses. You know what you'd have thought, just like everybody else would? There's three more criminals hanging on that cross. He was numbered just like a sinner. He looked just like a criminal. He looked just like a transgressor. He was numbered among them. Isaiah said, you better realize what a picture, what a type. You better realize he looked like they did. He took on, it's a picture of him robing himself in flesh and dwelling among men, yet being sinless tonight. Isaiah said he was numbered with the transgressors. In fact, the New Testament said it something like this. I preached a message one time. I don't know if I preached it here or not. I preached it as a series. Preached it as one message sometimes. But I've preached several times throughout the years. Preached on behold the man. Remember when Pilate, he brought before Pilate. Pilate said, behold the man. I took that little phrase and used it as a a text. And went through and looked at all the times. that One of my favorites, they said over there in the gospel, said, this man receiveth sinners. That right? God, maybe I don't do nothing for you. I'm glad he still receives sinners, aren't you? If it hadn't been he received sinners, I'd have never got in. I'm, I'm glad he wasn't afraid to be numbered with a sinner. I'm glad he wasn't afraid to be around a sinner. I'm afraid that's where you and I, I'm not saying we ought to go hang out at the bar to win them. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm telling you, you better realize tonight you's a sinner too. If not for the grace of God, we've got too high and mighty. I'm glad he humbled himself and was numbered with the transgressors. Uh, he looked like them. Uh, he died like them. Uh, that's exactly right. Uh, he was numbered with the trans. He looked just like they did from a distance. Yet he was sinless. Watch what he said. Watch what your Bible said. Poured out his spirit 
I poured out his soul on the dead. He was number of the transgressors. He bare the sin of many. Isaiah said, you better understand the reason he died. The reason he poured out his soul on the dead. The reason he was number of the transgressors. He didn't have any sin himself. There was no guile in him. There was no violence in him. No guile was found in his mouth. He was sinless. He was pure. But the reason he did that, Isaiah said, was he bare the sin of many. Can I tell you something? I don't mean to burst your bubble tonight. And I'm not saying you feel this way. I told you last night I had some company. I ain't going to tell you who it was. Some of you probably know them. But we stayed up. I mean, they did. They stayed till 1230, 130. I don't remember what time it was. Uh, but they stayed way up in the night wanting to talk about doctrine, talk about this. We talked about eternal security. We talked about speaking in tongues. We talked about the gifts of the Spirit. We talked about what it was to be full of the Holy Ghost. And I don't think they agreed with nothing I said at all. And I know I didn't agree with nothing they said at all. And uh, but I told him at the end, you know what I told him at the end of it? I said, listen, I said, when it all boils right down to it, I said, listen, I don't believe, I don't believe like you do. I'm not going to change my mind. You're not going to convince me you're right. I'm probably not going to convince you I'm right. I said, but all I know is how the Lord loved me just as much as He did you. He died for me just like He did you. Somebody ought to go ahead and nod your head. I don't care if they're Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic, Buddhist. I don't give a reason. Black, white, yellow, red, polka dotted. I don't care. I don't care if they're American, Chinese, Venezuelan, North Korean, South Korean, Vietnamese. It don't much matter to me. He bear the sin of many. And looking back, we realize the Bible said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm not saying that you ought not believe what you believe. I told that young man last night, I said, You'll not change my mind mind. Uh, you're not to get me to err. You're not getting me to turn. Uh, I don't give a rip how many verses you change. Uh, I don't care how many things you take out of context. Uh, you're not going to convince me otherwise. Uh, but can I say this? I'd hate to know uh, that I let doctrine keep me uh, from talking to somebody. I'd hate to know I let doctrine keep me from witnessing to somebody. That's exactly right. You know what? I'm be honest with you tonight. I think you ought to know what you believe. I think you ought to be strong on what you believe. And I think you ought not waver. There was a young man there last night in my house, sitting in my living room. There was several of them over there that night and last night. And one young man uh, was talking about one specific doctrine. And uh, I, I told him, I said, I'll be honest with you. I said, I don't know much about it. I ain't never been around none of that. I don't even really know how to talk to you about it because I don't know what you really believe. I said, but I'll talk to you, but you're going to have to help me along. And I quickly found out he didn't much know what he believed either. And I, I don't mean this ugly. I don't mean this sarcastically. But I tell you what, I wasn't trying to convince him to believe like I did. I tell you what I told him. I said, young man, you better get yourself alone somewhere. Get away from mom and daddy. Get away from the church. Get away from the denomination. Get in your Bible and find out what you believe. And I wouldn't tell a soul what I believe concerning that till I knew what I believed. That's exactly right. There's too many people wishy-washy about this stuff. Listen, I I told that young man last night, Kirk, I I said, I put my faith, when I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I I believed He was able to save me. I believed He was able to keep me. Despite my failure, despite my shortcoming, I I put my faith in Him. And I'm not backing up. I'm not backing up the pun. I'm not looking to change my mind. I'm not looking to reconsider. I've done decided where I stand. I've done put my faith I'm not looking for another way. I'm not looking for another train of thought. It's all settled for me. Isn't that right? 
It's amazing to me how many men have said they believe in a King James Bible and then somewhere down the line they changed. Well, I'm about done. I'm trying to quit. I'm going to tell you something. I know it's on Facebook Live. If you listen via Facebook, I want you to listen real, real carefully to what I'm about to say. I'm King James only all the way. Ain't one drop of me wants to go to any other Bible. Ain't one drop of me wants to study out another Bible. Ain't one drop of me wants to read another Bible. I'm I'm perfectly happy and content with the King James Bible. I believe it is the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God. But I have more respect for somebody that looked me in the eye and said they believe the same way about an NIV, ESV, good news, whatever you want to say. They believe the same way about that. I do about a King James Version. And they refuse to change. They refuse to give. I've got more respect for that man than for somebody that goes back and forth depending on who they're around. Now, I don't agree with what they're doing. But I have no respect for somebody that wishy-washy back and forth. Can't make a stand. Can't make up her mind. That's exactly right. You better find out what you believe and you better stick to it. But I'm telling you, he bore the sins of many. And I'm not just talking about different denominations. I'm telling you tonight, he bore the sins of those that don't believe in eternal security. He bore the sins of those that don't believe in this or that. He bore the sins of those that are contemporary, lip-wristed, skinny, jean-wearing youth pastors that get up and play drums and rock. He died for their sin, friend. Uh, I may not like their doctrine, uh, but he loved them enough. He died for them. Isn't that right? Do us well to realize he died for the world. It's not just those we like. It's not just those that run in our circles. It's not just those that believe just like we do. In fact, I dare say if we really sat down and had discussion, all of us may not agree as much as we think we would. I guarantee you there's something every one of us disagree on. We're human. I got news for you. That's no matter. I mean, I'm all for studying. I love to study. I hope you love to study. I'm all for books. I'm all for getting in your Bible. I'm all for, I'm all for that. But there ain't a one of us going to know it all, friend. There ain't a one of us going to be right about it all. I learned a long time ago, there's just some things ain't worth arguing over. And we weren't arguing the other night. We, I don't want you to think we was. I told him, I said, no, I'm not arguing. I said, I'll have a discussion with you. And I'll tell you what I believe, and i listen to what you believe, but I'm not going to sit here and go back and forth and argue, but I'll listen to you. There's just some things ain't worth arguing about. There's just some things ain't worth losing a friendship over. There's just some things that if God loved them enough to die for them, you and I are going to just be done with them. Ain't that right? Isaiah said, you better remember, he died for the sin. He took the sins of many. Now watch this, and I'm done. Bible said in verse 12, and made intercession... For the transgressors. And you said, preacher, what are you going to say? That goes back to that office of the priesthood. Ain't it amazing what Isaiah saw? He said, you better realize he died. He gave up his own life. He poured out his soul. He said, you better realize, what's what your Bible said. Let's look at it one more time and I'm done. But he said, he, died. he poured out his soul into death. He was numbered with the transgressors. He bare the sin of many. Then Isaiah said, he made intercession for the transgressors. Now he died in verse number 8. He was buried in verse number 9. Verse 11 tells he poured out his soul unto death. But after all that, he ever liveth to make intercession for the very ones he died for. Boy, that excites me. I hope you all getting that. I hope you understand what that means. You realize tonight that he ever liveth right now making intercession for you and I. One of them young men asked me, Last night, they said, well, what if you're wrong? I said, I know you don't want to argue, but what if you're wrong? 
what if I was right and you was wrong? And I said, well, I'll tell you the truth. If I am, and I don't believe that I am, but if I am, the Lord himself is sitting on the right hand of God the Father, saying, Lord, forgive him for being wrong for that. He's one of mine, and it's under the blood. Do y'all get that? I hope you are. Do you realize tonight all those times I mess up and all those times I fail? Maybe you don't do it as much as I do, but I mean, it just blows my mind that he could love me that much. I mean, even though he was despised and rejected, it's not just what happened to him at Calvary. It's what you and I do today. Can you imagine how we must break his heart? Can you imagine how we must grieve his spirit? Can you imagine how we must hurt him sometimes? It's the relationship. It's pictured as a father and child. That's how the Bible refers to it. I used to hear my mama say she never really understood the Lord. There's a lot of things about the Bible surely she didn't understand until she had me. I didn't understand that until I had my boys. It's amazing. I finally come to realize there's nothing John they can do. There's a lot I don't want them to do. There's a lot I'd be ashamed of. There's a lot it'd break my heart. But there's nothing they could do. God help me. I'm about to come slap on glue. There's not a thing they could ever do to cause him not to be my son. There's not a thing they could ever do to cause me not to love them. That's exactly right. They can change their name. They can spit in my face. They never speak to me again. But they're still my son. My blood runs through their veins. I still love them. There's nothing they can do to cause me not to love them. Now, there's a lot tonight I don't want them to do. There's a lot I want to keep them away from. There's a lot I wouldn't be proud of. There's a lot that break my heart. There's a lot that break my heart. I can get more specific if I need to, but I'm trying to wind down. I'll just go this far. Some of you looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. It's on Facebook Live and I ain't said nothing to make anybody mad in a while. I might as well say it. Uh, it'd break my heart for them to turn out to be a sod of mine. It'd break my heart. I couldn't stand it, surely. Uh, and I couldn't let it go on in my house. Uh, and there ain't no way I'd let them come over for Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, there ain't no way I'd be able to sit there and do that. I'm telling you the honest truth. I could not do it. Uh, it'd break my heart. It'd make me sick to my stomach. Uh, I'd hate it with everything I had. But they'd still be my youngin, And I'd still love them. That's exactly right. I might not condone it. It might break every fellowship we had. I might not have any communion with them, but I'd still love them. And my blood would still run through their veins. That's exactly right. That's the picture of the Father and us. Are y'all getting that? You say, preacher, you know what happened every once in a while? The other day, Aaron's just been a holy tear. I'm going to say this and I'm done. Aaron has just hit that stage. Andrew's just as good as he can be. Don't cause a bit of trouble. In fact, he'll do everything he can to help you. And I mean, they've just switched. And Aaron's good and Andrew's good now. And Aaron just don't do nothing. And the other day, I'd give him three or four whoopings. And I told him, now you sit down. And if you get up again, I said, so help me. Oh, my Lord, you best, you best not get up. I went in there in the kitchen to get me something to drink. I heard them feet hit the floor. And I mean, I, run, I saw red. I mean, I was so mad I couldn't see straight. I was done unbuckling my belt. And Andrew come running up there. And he said, Daddy, don't spank him. Daddy, don't do it. It was my fault. I should have told him not to get up. Don't spank him, Daddy. It's okay. Don't spank him. He's just little. He doesn't understand what he's doing. He was interested. 
He was interceding on his behalf. He was saying, Daddy, don't do it. It was all right. I should have told him not to. I should have done better. It wasn't his fault. Just don't whoop him, Daddy. I wonder how many times the Lord Jesus Christ has looked at God the Father and said, no, don't do it yet. It wasn't his fault. He's just little. He doesn't know no better. It's all right. That's already been covered. I'll take care of it. I'll teach him not to do that. I'm still working on him. I hope y'all getting that. Maybe I don't do nothing for you. But I'd say that happens a whole lot on my case. That's what Andrew told me. He said, Daddy, just don't whoop him. I'll teach him not to do that. I'll teach him. Sometimes you just have to sit still. Daddy, I'll teach him. Just don't worry about it. Oh, I wonder how many times the Lord said, don't, well, don't whoop him yet. Don't take him out yet. Don't pour your wrath out yet. He's just little. He ain't grew up enough. I'll work on him. I'll teach him. He's ever living to enter seed for you and I. What about that? What love? Who's despised and rejected for all for all these years. We looked the other night at the church age, just dispensation of grace. Two thousand years. A little bit more so far. What he's been doing for all those two thousand years? Interceding on behalf of the saints. He gave his life at Calvary. I love how Isaiah ended this. Gave his life at Calvary. A lot of times we think that's the end of it. But ever since, he's been interceding for you and I. Ain't that amazing? Can I... Remember over yonder, yeah, I believe it's in the book of John, when Jesus was praying, he told Peter, he said, well, this was right before his death, he told Peter, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have thee and sift thee like wheat. Remember that? But he said, nevertheless, I have prayed for thee. Yeah. Is that right? He didn't say, I am praying for thee. He didn't say, don't worry about Peter, I will pray for thee. He said, I have prayed for thee. Yeah. What about the fact he intercedes before we even need it? Right. Are y'all getting that? That excites me. What about he intercedes before we even need him? I, I'm going to preach a message one of these days. I don't even know. I saw Bradley Boone had this title. I don't even know what he preached, but I'm going to preach his title sometime. Hush, the Lord's praying. What about that? Realize he's praying for you and I right now. That's what praying is, talking to God, isn't it? He's praying. Kirk, right now, sometimes I get so defeated. Sometimes something be going on, I think, I just don't even feel like anybody even cares. I don't feel like there's a soul praying for me. There ain't a soul knows what's going on. There ain't nobody knows what I'm going through. Not that I don't think you would pray for me. It's just something I, don't, I can't even tell you yet. I think I, I, don't know, I don't know if they're praying or not. But I got to think about that, and I thought the Lord intercedes for me. Right now, in glory, there's somebody praying for me. Oh, what yeah. about that? Yeah. Are y'all getting that? Yeah. Right this moment in heaven itself, the Lord himself is praying that he's got the ear of the Father bent uh, from my behalf. Hat back causes me to have a, a fit tonight uh, that he's praying, he's interceding uh, on my behalf uh, right now. Yeah. What about the fact we talked about how he'd borne our griefs, he'd carried our sorrows. I think I used Shirley this morning, I'm going to say this and I'm done. That's part of interceding. What about this? Charlotte, when Hurley died, I told you this morning, I can't imagine. I'm not trying to play on your emotions. You know I'm not doing that. But when he died, I can't imagine what it would be like to lose a spouse. But do you realize during all that, I'll be honest with you, I thought I prayed for you, I did. And I asked the Lord to help, but I didn't know what to pray. I ain't never lost a spouse. 
I didn't know what it must be like to go through that. I don't know what you faced when all your family left. And oh, it was just you in that house for the first time in years. But I don't know what that's like. I've never been there. I didn't hardly know what to pray. I did the best I could. But do you realize up in glory that Jesus would lean over and say, Lord, this is what she needs right now. Because he's already born those graves. God help me. He's already carried those sorrows. And he entered, when nobody else knew, he intercedes on your behalf. Those things we go through, nobody else knows. He intercedes on our behalf. And it seems like nobody else is praying. Seems like nothing else, nobody else knows. Uh, He knows and he's interceding for you. When you don't even know what to pray, he's interceding on your behalf. He's already carried those, are y'all getting that? I hope y'all are. I'm trying to quit. Uh, He's already carried your grief. He's he's already borne your grief and carried your sorrow. And now he ever lives to intercede on your behalf. That's the reason he lives tonight. To intercede for John Jones. To intercede for Shirley Jones. To intercede for Joan Lowe. To intercede for Jessica Mosley. To intercede for Chris Moore. To intercede uh, God, are y'all getting to intercede for Ann Puckett? Uh, how to intercede for Chris Park. Uh, he ever lives. Uh, it's his purpose for living. It is his responsibility tonight to intercede for you and me. What about that? And he knows everything that we go through, everything that we face, every shortcoming, every fault, every failure, every struggle, every trial, every grief, every sorrow. Tell me Psalm 40 real quick. Psalm 40 real quick. I'm try- I promise you, I know y'all don't believe me, but I am trying to hurry, I promise. Psalm 40 real quick. Verse number five, the Bible said this. I'm not going to read the whole psalm, but I'd love to. I know we've looked at this several times, but I want you to catch this. Many, O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Boy, that's exciting. You say, preacher, how often does he intercede for me? The psalmist said that if he tried to count the number of times the Lord thought about him, they couldn't even be numbered. Now stay with me. Couldn't even be numbered. Rhonda, do you realize that I, 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 don't, I don't know everything you face, I don't know everything you go through, but every one of us got troubled. Do you realize when it seems like Ronald don't understand and Mikey don't understand, nobody else understands, that there's a God in heaven that's thinking about you and it's more than can even be numbered. If you tried to recant all the times that he thought about Rhonda or Ronald or Shirley or John or Sharon or any, any of us, if you tried to recant any of them just individually, it's more than he could even be numbered. And he ever liveth to make intercession for our, on our behalf. He's constantly thinking about you and I. He knows the very hair of our head. He knows every trouble, knows every trial. And he's, it could not even be numbered, the thoughts that are toward us. What love. What, what love. That we despised him. We rejected him. Mankind crucified him. They're the ones that put him to death. And yet he loves us enough that his thought, his good thoughts toward us cannot even be numbered. He ever liveth to make intercession on our behalf. What love tonight. Why in the world would you and I, Brooke, can you come get a song on the piano? Just play softly. Why in the world?